All right, welcome to Making the Argument. Before we get started, I have a very important announcement. We have a brand new deal with GoodRanchers.com. That's right. If you go into GoodRanchers and you use promo code Nick and you sign up for one of their subscriptions, you're not only going to get $15 off, but do you remember the old deal where you got two pounds of ground beef with each order? Well, we just upped the game. That's right. You can choose top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon now. Every single order you get on that subscription is going to come with free. Top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon. You get to choose which one if you use promo code Nick. And again, $15 off on top of that. That's a savings of $480 in meat by signing up for one of those subscriptions. Not to mention the fact that if you are looking for a gift for someone that is impossible to shop for, you can go on to GoodRanchers.com and get one of their brand new gift boxes. Now, this is a limited time only offer. It's part of their overall Black Friday special. So go on to GoodRanchers.com to get more details. Sign up for promo code Nick and to get that deal and let's get on with the show. Have you ever made a black market transaction? I'm willing to bet that even if you think you've never done it, you probably have, or at the very least, you have purchased something that is actually far more common on the black market than you ever realized. So why is this important? Well, it's because I think we're about to start entering into a time where more and more people are going to be engaging in the black market. We discuss all of that and more on today's episode of Making the Argument, where we make the arguments to defend a free society. All right, there is no questions that black markets have a very, very seedy and dangerous feel to them in pop culture, right? And this is for good reason. A lot of incredibly bad things happen within black markets. And generally speaking, when we, when we think about these markets, we're thinking about everything from like drugs to weaponry, uh, you know, and, and probably the worst of all of it, human trafficking, right? That's what our mind tends to conjure up when we think of the black market. And so for a lot of reasons, people want to shut down black markets, right? The whole, the whole idea of a black market is that it's illegal activity, right? That's what's, that's what's going on. It's transactions that are taking place that are illegal for some reason, right? Or at the very least, um, it, 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 it's either an outlawed product or service, or it's a product of ser or, and service through regular channels that has become so expensive or so restrictive that it becomes so much easier or cheaper to get on the black market, right? These are, these are the various inputs. These are the various conditions that create a black market. And I actually think some of the policies that we're seeing, seeing from the federal government, from certain state governments, are pushing us in to where we're going to see a lot more black market transactions. Now, Obviously, we, we don't want uh, an illegal market full of you know, violence, right? That's, that's not the sort of thing that we want. We would, we would like for transactions to be uh, you know, open and, and uh, transparent. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit today about the sort of conditions that create black markets, all right? And, and I think this is important because when we look at the actual definition, all right, so for a moment, here's what I want you to do. Put aside everything you've ever seen in the movies or some of the most horrible things you've seen in news reports, right? I'm, I'm not saying put them aside because they don't happen. I'm saying just, just for a second, I want you to focus on the definition of a black market. So the definition, according to Investopedia, is economic activity that takes place outside government-sanctioned channels. Right, so what is a government-sanctioned channel? Well, this has everything to do with like occupational licensing requirements, regulations, 
taxes. I mean, if you think of all the different ways that governments kind of organize and interact with the economy or with the marketplace, right? That's usually the form it takes. It's either some form of tax, some form of regulation, some sort of rule or stipulation or prohibition. That's how the government interacts with the marketplace. So any sort of transaction that is taking place that violates one of those government mandates on the economy is to be operating within the black market. Now, here's what's interesting. If you look at kind of the left-wing narrative with respect to government and its role in the economy, what you see typically is this idea that the government should play a very active role in economic activity and transactions, right? They want more regulations. They want more taxes. They want more redistribution. They want more mandates. Some people advocate for more government direction of industry, right? So that's the government actually coming in and either owning industries like nationalizing the oil industry or nationalizing uh, the airline industry, or they come in and they regulate to such a degree where they're, they're not just providing for public safety, they're actually directing the sort of production that they want to see in the economy, right? So the government is taking an active role in controlling how capital is used in order to determine what products and services are created, right? That tends to be the way the left addresses the uh, government interacting with the economy. It tends to be what they advocate for. And what's interesting about that is that when you look at all these things, that sort of government intervention into the economy is actually what helps create the conditions for a black market, right? You don't even have a black market if the government hasn't regulated tax or some, and in some other way controlling a market transaction. Now, before we get too far into this, I'm, I'm not suggesting that there's never an appropriate role for government to intervene in the marketplace. I'm just pointing out that there's a cause and effect relationship here. When the government makes something illegal or makes it very difficult to produce a particular good or service, all right, they are creating conditions for a black market. And the left will come back and say, well, no, this is really important. We need these government regulations to protect consumers or to protect labor, um, you know, or to protect certain industries, right? These are all some of the arguments that, that we hear. Another interesting component, which I think is actually kind of fueling the conditions for a black market, is actually vaccine mandates. And once again, what's the leftist narrative with respect to vaccine mandates? It's the idea that you have to take the vaccine in order to protect other people. And so therefore, the government has a legitimate interest in compelling you to take the vaccine. Now, because of the United States Constitution, because of state constitutions, because of federalism in general, we have a lot of limitations on federal power that a lot of other countries don't. And so how has the government tried to get around the restrictions in place which prevent them from just basically showing up to your door with, with a syringe and saying, you have to take the vaccine by law or we'll put you in jail. Well, the way that they've done it is they've tried to mandate the marketplace, right? So they, they've actually made businesses an enforcement arm of the government by saying to the business owner or to the company or whatever it is, if your employees are not vaccinated, well, then you're going to face fines, fees, or some other form of punishment. So now the company feels obligated to go to its employees and say, well, you have to get the vaccine. And if you don't get the vaccine, we're going to fire you because if we don't fire you or we don't subject you to tests every week or whatever else it may be, the government's going to punish us, right? So now because the federal government knows it doesn't have either in some cases the real authority or in other cases, just the practical ability to impose their will, they're now using companies and using other entities that are not government in order to enforce their mandates or to make it incredibly difficult for those who might not want to comply with what the government has decided is their favorite course of action. 
right? So that's what we see right now. So we, we've already we've already seen how taxes, regulations, and, and other government intervention can create black markets. We're going to talk today a little bit about those, but we're also going to talk about again how vaccine mandates can potentially create black markets. Now, before we go any further, I, I want to make something really clear here because, like I said before, there's this there's this popular culture mentality that if you're if you're engaging in the black market, you know, you're really doing something nefarious. But in reality some of the most common products that you wouldn't even think of or you wouldn't even associate with the black market are incredibly common on the black market, right? And every single one of these things is a direct result of government intervention. Not suggesting that, every, again, once again, not suggesting that every regulation is bad, but just saying that there are unintended consequences. So I'm going to go over now. I want you to listen to this because I, I think you're going to find this as interesting as I did. We're going to go over some of the most common items on the black market, right? So, uh, for instance, in Russia, one of the most hot, in-demand black market items was cheese. That's right, right? The Russian government had put in various tariffs and restrictions on the import of certain cheeses. Well, the vast majority of Russians still wanted that cheese. They still wanted to get that cheese. And so the only way they could get it was through black market transactions, right? And, and there's, there's, you can go look, Google, you know, cheese on the black market in Russia, and you will get all sorts of articles. It was fascinating to watch the different links that people would go to, whether they were individuals or whether they were store owners or whether they were criminal organizations, right? And I don't mean criminal organizations in the sense that, you know, an individual smuggled some cheese back from their, you know, trip to France. What I mean is like an actual criminal organization that made cheese a part of what they produced or what they provided to consumers because the government had created restrictions that made it very, very difficult or almost impossible for them to get what they wanted, right? So Google that. I promise you, you won't be disappointed in the story. So what's another example? How about oil in Mexico? It turns out as they were looking at all the different pipelines and whatnot, literally hundreds of pipelines there was, they, they had been drilled into by individuals and again, by, by different criminal elements and whatnot that were siphoning oil from the, the pipelines in Mexico. Most people don't understand or realize that Mexico is actually one of the largest oil producing countries. But a lot of people to include everything from, again, criminal organizations, poor people, one of the ways that they were actually getting oil for their vehicles and for their other needs was they were actually tapping in to those pipelines, siphoning out oil and then selling it on the black market. How about sea cucumbers in China? That's right. The government passed restrictions with respect to how, you know, whether or not you could sell or market sea cucumbers, but that didn't stop the demand. And so supply rose up in order to meet it. Um, here's a funny one okay, in Canada. Our good, very polite neighbors to the north. Two things that are in huge demand on the black market in Canada. Maple syrup and male sperm. That's right. You heard me correctly, right? Maple syrup because in, in one case, it's the fluctuations within the marketplace, but then it's, a, it's also a combination of different government restrictions. And then the same thing with sperm, right? So that, that's one of the biggest things on the black market in Canada. How about sugar in Malaysia? Yeah, that's right. Sugar in Malaysia is another uh, item that is commonly sold on the black market. And, and again, it's fascinating because when we think of something like sugar, we, we think of sugar being such abundance that how could this ever be in the black market? Well, again, 
All it takes is enough government restrictions. This could be restrictions in the form of import-export agreements. It could be uh, tariffs, which are taxes on imports. It could be uh, restrictions that were designed in order to help a particular industry within their country. But these are the sort of things that cause black markets to arise for objects or for uh, commodities or services that you never would expect. But now, okay, we've, we've, we've picked on Russia, we've picked on China, we've picked on Mexico, Canada, and Malaysia. How about the United States? What are some of the most common black market items in the United States? How about cigarettes? Right, again, that seems strange, right? Can't, can't you just walk in to almost any store within the United States and buy cigarettes, right? Why is there a black market for cigarettes? Well, interestingly enough, and this actually came up as a criminal justice reform issue, in places like New York City, the taxes on cigarettes are so astronomically high, it is actually profitable for people to go into neighboring states or neighboring areas, buy up cigarettes, and then sell them in New York City, sometimes selling them one cigarette at a time. In fact, there was an individual who was selling cigarettes, one cigarette at a time, had a run-in with local law enforcement, it got into an altercation, and the man ended up dying. What was interesting is that the same people that had advocated for these huge taxes, which created a black market for cigarettes, never once held themselves responsible for the sort of conditions they created. Instead, they just blamed the police. Now, that's not to say that a thorough investigation shouldn't go on with respect to police handling of that situation, but it is important to understand that every time the government does something with some sort of noble intention, all right, it's important to understand they don't legislate intentions. They write laws. Laws have consequences, and every law comes with the threat of force and violence. And in this case, not only did it come with the threat of force and violence, but they created an, a black market that didn't need to exist because they wanted to tax cigarettes. What's another one in the United States? How about teeth whitener? That's right. There were some teeth whiteners out there that had elevated levels of, um, I forget what the substance was, but it basically it helped make your teeth whiter. And um, you know, government regulators decided it was, it was dangerous. It was the levels that they thought were too dangerous. And so they actually forbid its sale on the open market. Well, did that mean people stopped buying it? Nope, they just went to the black market for it. Uh, what's another one? Unpasteurized almonds or almonds. Sorry, I always get in trouble for that. I grew up in Northern California. We call them almonds. I know everyone else calls them almonds. But unpasteurized almonds are illegal in the United States. But people still want them, so they still buy them, and there is a black market for that. How about raw milk? This is interesting. I actually carried legislation in Virginia trying to set up a legal market to be able to buy and sell raw milk. And what was interesting is some of the biggest industries that came out to oppose me was the dairy industry. And their argument was, is, well, if someone gets sick on raw milk, then people, the, the, the story might go out that they got sick on milk and it negatively affects our industry. And so they actively fought to make sure that raw milk stayed illegal. Now, what's the legal workaround for raw milk, at least in Virginia? We have something called cow shares, which is to say that you can't go up to your neighbor's um, dairy cow and, and, or to your neighbor and buy raw milk from them. You cannot do that. That's illegal. But you can have partial ownership in the dairy cow, and then you get some of the raw milk since you own part of the cow, right? These are the sort of like absurd legal loopholes that people have to go through in order to just try to get something that they want without breaking the law. But because there's other places where these laws still exist, there is actually a black market for raw milk in the United States. 
How about when it was announced, when Hostess announced that a certain childhood memory, a certain childhood suite was going off the market, and that was Twinkies. That's right. For a while there, until Hostess changed his mind and brought it back, there was a black market for Twinkies. A lot of people were buying them up, storing them. But here's the funny part. You would think to yourself, well, that's not a black market transaction, right? It was perfectly legal to have those things. Actually, if you buy up a bunch of Twinkies and you resell them without the approval of, the, of Hostess, you are potentially operating in a black market transaction because of government regulations with respect to that sale. So yes, if you bought Twinkies on the black market, you fiend, you were actually engaging in illegal activity. Here's another one. Um, have you ever seen someone standing outside of a stadium selling tickets or standing outside of a concert hall selling tickets, usually at an elevated price? That's, it's commonly referred to as scalping. That's also a black market transaction. Now, what do all of these different transactions have in place, whether it's cigarettes, teeth whitener, unpasteurized almonds, raw milk, Twinkies, event tickets, et cetera? What do they all have in common? Well, the reason why people typically don't associate these things with the black market or don't care if they're engaging in a black market transaction is because it's kind of difficult for the government to make a strong public interest argument for why those sorts of transactions shouldn't exist. And because people don't have any moral qualms about buying tickets or teeth whitener or unpasteurized almonds or raw milk, well, they tend to do it anyways. And the government also finds it difficult to enforce these sorts of laws. And so that is why you end up having a black market for things that, again, you would never associate with that. Uh, I'll give you one other example of a common form of a black market transaction. Transportation, right? Operating an unlicensed taxi cab. So most of us, and, and here's what I find funny. A lot of people on the left who love these government regulations also love Uber and Lyft. Right? But a lot of times, the way these people were operating, at, one, at, at some point, now a lot of them have actually complied and there's been state or local ordinances passed to allow for Uber and Lyft because they were so popular. But before all that legal framework was worked out, you had people operating things like Uber and Lyft in what was technically a black market transaction. Right? And, and it's, it's crazy to me that, and again, they were able to do that. And then after a time, because they became so popular, the government recognized it was no longer in a position to impose the sort of mandates and regulations that it previously had. They had to incorporate them into the process instead of working overtime to exclude them from the process. All right, so what does all of this tell us about the nature of government and black markets? Well, first of all, it means we've got to understand something. People want access to goods and services, and they want access to them at the cheapest price possible. Every time the government either makes a transaction illegal, heavily regulates it, heavily taxes it, or in some other way restricts its ability to get from the person that's selling to the person that wants it, they are actually sowing the seeds for a black market. It doesn't matter what the commodity or service is. Right? It could, again, it could be something as simple as laundry detergent or, or something as nefarious as um, you know, organs. Right? That these are all things that are transplanted. Now, again, to reiterate for the third time, I do think that there's some proper roles with respect to the government and say that there are certain things that are so horrible 
that are, are, are so vicious or evil that it has to be restricted. And, and I am fine with spending the tax dollars to have the law enforcement to enforce that. Things like human trafficking. If you are engaging in human trafficking, you're a horrible human being. And I want the government to come after you, prosecute you, and lock you away to the full extent and power of the law, right? So that's, I'm not making any excuses for that sort of activity. But in all of these other transactions where are, you can make a very good argument that nobody is being hurt as a result of the transaction, or somebody is making a conscious decision with respect to what they want to do, like again, with something like a cigarette. I can acknowledge that smoking a cigarette is bad for you, but I don't concede that that means the government has a vested interest in preventing you from being able to do it. And so we need to recognize that every time it's doing those things, it's creating a potential black market for illegal activity to be able to take place. The other thing that we need to understand is this leftist narrative that these regulations or taxes or mandates or whatever it is, is just in the public interest and just for the common good. Bull crap. Especially when we're talking about a lot of the taxes and regulations. What you oftentimes see is um, interest or industries or uh, companies within particular industries that have established a certain degree of power or market share. And instead of continuing to be creative and innovative and competitive within the marketplace, instead of focusing their intentions on making sure that they can get customers what they want, instead they allocate resources to lobbying the government, to putting into effect fees um, taxes or regulations that they know their business can currently handle with their current market share, but that will drive out their competition, right? And then that competition has a decision to make, right? Are they going to completely go out of business? Or are they going to find another way to try to sell their products to people? So not only are you, a, so in that case, it's not like the, the public interest was what was in mind. It was certain people with better lobbyists got, you know, um, dishonest politicians, or, or at the very least, ignorant politicians, to pass laws which benefited them at the expense both of their competition and of the customers they're supposed to be focused on. But, but I think one of the most relevant things that we're seeing now, one of, one of the most common dynamics that we're, I think we have the potential to see over the next couple of years, is an explosion in the black market for a whole host of services that government is currently creating supply chain problems with as a result of vaccine mandates. So when you tell doctors, nurses, teachers, and now with Joe Biden telling any business with a hundred employees or more that if they don't mandate the vaccine, that someone's going to lose their job. Now, all of a sudden you, you don't just have, you know, onesies or twosies within a particular industry. Now you're talking about tens of millions of people that might not be able to actually um, provide for their families, doing the thing that they know how to do, doing the thing that actually um, not only provides for their family, but, but might also you know, provide them a sense of, of purpose and meaning with respect to the work they do. If you're going to tell them that they are no longer allowed to work, if they don't get a government mandated vaccine, here's what's going to happen. Some people are going to inevitably comply. Other people are going to look for alternatives within the marketplace. And other people are going to decide, you know what, there's enough people that want what I'm providing that I don't necessarily have to go through the legal channels, especially if I believe that those legal channels have become so invasive, abusive, or have fallen so outside of their constitutional mandate that I have no moral qualms operating outside of the legal framework that they have created in order to hurt me, right? And that is, I think, what you are going to see. Again, some people will comply. 
Some people will find alternatives within the legal marketplace. And I think other people are going to say, you know what? I've been a nurse for 30 years. There's not a whole lot of places I can go because the government mandate sweeps across almost every field that I could potentially provide services in. But I've got a network of friends, or I've got a network of people, or I've got patients that I've seen for years, and I can still continue to see them, and we can work out our own arrangement on how they'll pay me in order to do it. Right? You're going you're gonna to see teachers that leave one environment, and this isn't so much a black market environment as much as it is just providing educational services. That's the, that, again, that's an alternative to like the public school model. These are some of the examples that I think you're going to start to see pop up. And this could be extended to a whole host of other industries where people have a particular skill set where they're going to get out there and they're going to find people that want the skill that they have. And they're going to find people that, quite frankly, are not concerned if they work for a larger firm, are not concerned if they have their license taken away from them arbitrarily by some government agency, not because they did something irresponsible on the job, but because they just didn't want to take a vaccine mandate. They're going to do business with these people. Because at the end of the day, what, what people really want, yes, consumers want there to be a, a good and, and safe environment in order to conduct transactions. But when the government is the one coming in telling a consumer, you're not safe if you do business with that person. But you as the consumer have a relationship with that person. You know that person. You trust that person's skill sets. Are you just going to stop doing business with them because the government said so because they have an ulterior motive or agenda? No, you're probably not. And that's where you actually start to see markets being created outside of the legal structure that the government has imposed. And so there's two ways that we have to look at this. The first thing, and, and my obligation as a legislator, is one of the things that I do every time I see new legislation for occupational licensing or new regulations or new mandates, I, I generally oppose those things. In fact, I'm usually carrying legislation to get rid of existing mandates and regulations because ultimately, I don't want businesses coming to the government in order to restrict their competition or to restrict consumer choice. Now, I recognize that that also puts an onus of responsibility on the consumer. It's, it's the whole concept of buyer beware. Consumers should have some understanding of who they're doing business with, especially if they're doing business with somebody that doesn't necessarily have the, the typical credentials. But what's interesting is when you look in the free market, it's not as if government restrictions go away and all of a sudden there's no way to get a credential. There's no way to actually vet the person that I'm doing business with. There's actually a lot of ways to do it within the private sector. Things like the Better Business Bureau, right? You, you can have organized consumer reports. These aren't necessarily government agencies. They're private sector agencies that businesses go to and have to pass through a litmus test in order to demonstrate they know what they're doing because they want that seal of approval so that consumers will trust them. It ends up being what they call in economics a heuristic, basically a shortcut. Obviously, you as a consumer don't have time to do in-depth research on every single company that you do business with. But if that business has certain credentials from organizations that you trust, you're more likely to do business with them. And one of those, one of those credentials is your personal knowledge of the company. It's your personal experience with the person that is providing the good or service. So for instance, if you were to make it easier for someone to be able to buy produce from another person, which is to say that I can go over to my neighbor's farm and if he wants to sell me beef or she wants to sell me tomatoes or she wants to sell me eggs, then I can go do that and they shouldn't need some sort of government approval to do it and I shouldn't need some sort of government permission to do it. Now, am I going to do that with any farm on the side of the road I happen to drive by? 
No, but am I going to do it with somebody that I know and trust? Absolutely. And why should there be any government restriction on that? So this is what we need to understand about how government regulations and now an increasing push for government mandates is creating potential black markets that more and more people are going to be perfectly comfortable using because they don't have a moral problem with violating what they believe to be, and I think in many cases are, unjust laws. All right. I hope you found that uh, interesting. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out. This is the first homework assignment I'm, I'm giving our audience. I want you to go and do a little research of your own and find the most you know, common item that you never would have expected to be on the black market, right? The most, you know, again, whatever it is, and, and put that in our comments section. Let us know, do a little research, come back and say, oh my gosh, Nick, I searched this and you were right. I can't believe, did you know that X is for sale on the black market? And the reason why is because of this government regulation or this tax or whatever else it might be. Once again, I'm Nick Freitas with Making the Argument. Thank you very much for joining. Don't forget to like, share, follow, and hit the subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Give us a five-star review and write us a review. Like, give us some notes on our Apple podcast or our Spotify channel. Once again, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next episode. Once again, thank you very much for listening. If you want to support the show, again, one of the best ways you can do it is by heading over to GoodRanchers.com with promo code Nick. You're going to get $15 off. You sign up for one of those subscriptions, and you're going to get up to $480 of free meat with that subscription. You get to pick top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, bacon. It is all up to you. Plus, if you're looking for gifts to get for the people that are impossible to shop for, GoodRanchers.com also has gift boxes. You need to act quick. This is part of their overall Black Friday special. So head on over to goodranchers.com, use promo code Nick, and once again, thank you for listening.